Habakkuk 3, a prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shagoyneth. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman, the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens, and his praise filled the earth. His splendor was like the sunrise. Rays flashed from his hand where his power was hidden. Plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and made the nations tremble. The ancient mountains crumbled and the age-old hills collapsed. But he marches on forever. I saw the tents of Kushan in distress and the dwellings of Midian in anguish. Were you angry with the rivers, Lord? Was your wrath against the streams? Did you rage against the sea when you rode your horses and your chariots to victory? You uncovered your bow. You called for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. Torrents of water swept by. The deep roared and lifted its waves on high. Sun and moon stood still in the heavens at the glint of your flying arrows, at the lightning of your flashing spear. In wrath, you strode through the earth, and in anger, you threshed the nations. You came out to deliver your people, to save your anointed one. You crushed the leader of the land of wickedness. You stripped him from head to foot. With his own spear, you pierced his head when his warriors stormed out to scatter us, gloating as though about to devour the wretched who were in hiding. You trampled the sea with your horses, churning the great waters. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in my God, my Savior. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. For the director of music on my stringed instruments. Thanks be to God and his holy word. Thanks for that reading, Susan. Uh, and thanks, Kevin, for the music under it. It was directed to, to the music leader. 
And uh, Kevin, our um, music director, told me the other night that he read that passage late at night, you know, when your mind is a little bit more open to the strangeness of things. And that's the music that came with it. And I love, there's a, the, the rising and the falling. It feels like it's falling into decay and discord, and then it comes back into harmony. Um, it's just, a, I love what music can do to us, especially as we read God's Word. Because we got a soul, y'all, and our soul resonates with that Word and with the music, so thank y'all for that. Um, today, as we look at this third chapter of Habakkuk, uh, it's a prayer from Habakkuk, and he's praying around something that's very much in our minds, which is, when the future seems impossible, and I don't see something on the horizon to give me hope, can I still have strength, confidence, and joy? Uh, it was about a year ago that my family and I moved here to Winston from Boone. Um, we had worked with RUF, which is a campus ministry at Appalachian State, for a number of years. And my whole life with God, at least the parts that, from my perspective, I'm aware of, um, all seemed to happen within the context of this ministry, RUF, which we have here in our city at Winston-Salem State and at Wake. When I was a college student, I met Jesus and came to trust him through RUF. I worked with RUF after college. That's how I met my wife. After, you know, before seminary, after seminary, worked with RUF. And part of the rhythm of RUF is each year campuses go down to the Florida panhandle for this big summer conference. It's like a big retreat at the beach with like a thousand students. And it was always the highlight for our family, our kids, our students being there together, and there's this big dance party. So our last summer conference, last May, was a really emotional time for us because we knew that there were beautiful things to hope for in the future here in Winston. Uh, the beauty of this community, the, the, just the, how much we were going to love this city, the privilege of being one of your pastors, all that was in the future. It was all something that may happen, but we didn't really know. What we were feeling then was simply grief and loss. And that's what we were surrounded by in that moment. And there's this, this night on the beach where there's a big dance party on the beach. You know, they got the lights going and the music thumping. And our family was out there, me and Sarah and our three girls, with our beloved students, and we were dancing on the beach. And a song called We Found Love by Rihanna, who I love. Rihanna and Calvin Harris came on, and the refrain of that song is, we found love in a hopeless place. And that is our song um, for that time in our life. And because what we saw again and again was students um, who were in a very hopeless place finding love, discovering the love of God. We saw that happen in so many students' lives. They found the love of Jesus to them and began to experience that in their hopelessness. They found that love in our family. And our family, um, I think much more than, than our students, found love in them in what felt like a hopeless place. And so I'm there, we're dancing on the beach, and I have my daughter Rosie on my shoulders, and she's like covered with everyone's glow sticks because she's just collecting everyone's glow sticks. And we were dancing, and this music is just resonating in our, in our brains and in our bodies, and we're feeling it, and it's just we found love in a hopeless place. We found love in a hopeless place, and we just cried. And we cried and cried, and we danced. 
We danced like crazy. My, my body ached the next morning. And I'm convinced that it was the mercy of God and his spirit that gave our family the ability to both cry and grieve and to dance, even though we didn't even know what to look forward to. And our ancestor Habakkuk, that we're reading about, he's doing the exact same thing. He's dancing and taking joy in God in much more impossible circumstances than we faced then, or even that we face now. Y'all, everything feels impossible. We don't know when things are going to get better, and so it's hard to know how to have joy and strength. And, and Habakkuk shows us that despite impossible circumstances that we can't control, that we can live um, with joy and strength, even when we face an impossible future. And here's the blueprint that he gives us, and we'll walk through with you. To, find, to, to live this way, to live by faith, we meditate on what God has done, we take joy in what is coming, and when we do that, we experience the strength to live in the impossible. So the first thing Habakkuk does is he meditates, he allows himself to meditate on what God has done in the past, right there at the beginning of the passage. Lord, I heard your fame, I stand in awe of your deeds. I've heard about what you've done, God, in the past. I've heard the old stories from my ancestors. And then he says, God, I want you to play the hits again. Play the old stuff that you've done in the past. Do that again. Repeat them in our day. And in your wrath, remember mercy. And the poem that follows there through verse 15 is all about one thing. It's that God is mighty and powerful and unstoppable. That there is no circumstance that exists that can prevent God from doing what he wants to do, from bringing his justice and showing his mercy. And this, this poem is like a finely aged wine. I, um, that it, you know, fine wines are beyond my ability to comprehend them. I'm like, this tastes like red wine, and this tastes like white wine. I'm sure that I haven't had the right, you'll tell me I haven't had the right wines, potentially. But this, uh, this poem is like a finely aged wine in that it has distinctive tasting notes. You know, you get the note of creation, God separating the, the skies from the, from the waters and the waters from the sea and creating everything. There's notes of the flood, that God um, executed his, his justice over the earth and he saved this one tiny boat full of people and animals. The Exodus is a big one here, when God took his people who had been enslaved in Egypt and brought them out and crushed Pharaoh and his army. He split the sea and God's people walked through. All these amazing and mighty acts is what he is calling. These are, these are his stories, the old ways that he learned from the old heads around him. But there's something more. It's kind of like a, a tasting note in a wine that you've never tasted before, so you don't even know to look for it. The mightiest act of God, Habakkuk didn't even know to look forward to. And that is that God defeated death itself. In the death and resurrection of Jesus, the Son of God, God defeated death. Because he keeps talking about God as the one who is coming. The one who comes on the earth, who strides 
over the earth, who walks on the oceans and splits things apart. And God, the coming one, has actually now the one who has come in the past, that the Lord Jesus, God the Son, showed up, not splitting oceans. Allow for the strangeness of this to to sink in if you're a person that's familiar with the stories of the Bible. When God came to the earth in Christ, he didn't split the oceans. He floated around in the small ocean of a young woman's belly as a tiny baby, a young unmarried woman facing an impossible situation, God was contained within her. And then as he grew, eventually he walked on humble feet with ten toes all the way to a violent death. He allowed himself to be split. He went to a violent death that he did not earn. What new mystery is this? What blessed backwardness? The immeasurable one is held and does not resist. Struck by wicked words and foolish fists of senseless men, the Almighty One does not defend. The Almighty One didn't defend because He didn't come to protect Himself, but to give Himself over to death in order to rise from death and conquer over the thing that we fear the most, which is dying. Crushing mountains is small compared to crushing death. And that's what Jesus did. He conquered death, the death that we are terrified of now, because death is the thing of which we have the least control over. We know that it is coming. And these stories of God's mighty acts are the family legends and stories for Christian people, people who follow Jesus. And if you know Jesus, these are your stories, especially the resurrection. But you could add more, right? This is part of what I I was a real late adopter to Hamilton. Um, We had to wait for it to come out on TV to experience it. And I didn't get it until I actually watched it, which is this you know, amazing historical retelling of Alexander Hamilton and Aaron Burr and George Washington, all these figures told by people now through the medium of, of hip-hop. And what Hamilton is, is it's, it's America then told by America now. And we can do the same thing. This is God's stories then told by God's people now because you have your own stories to add. Stories of how God has shown up in mighty and powerful ways and done the impossible. How have you seen God's power? And if if you struggle to bring something to mind, have you just gone, like, this is just totally natural. We go from event to event to event, and we face them, and we never take time to linger over what God has done in the past. We don't take time to meditate long enough to discover, God held me in that space. He preserved my life. How has God held you? How has God held your family and parents? I tell you what, this all feels impossible. I understand this is like a, it's in some ways like a first world problem, but having been home, you know, with kids and trying to do your best, trying to work, and now the fall. School is, you know, 
even if your child is going back to school, it's still full of so much fear and uncertainty. It's all week to week, right? Or maybe you're a student that's going back to school or going off to college, and everything is just like, when is it going to get better? And would you take the time, this is my challenge to you, would you take the time in the next few days, maybe it's when you're lying in bed, rehearsing all your comparisons, or maybe when it's when you lie in bed when you wake up, just to meditate on one of the stories. Just allow yourself to sit in it from your life and from the old stories. Because we meditate on what God has done, but also take joy in what is coming in the future. Some of this sounds like what God has done in the past through this poem, if you, if you read through it, parted the seas, brought destruction, all this stuff. But some of it is, seems like bigger and grander than what happened in the past. It seems more final. And, and that's exactly what's happening. Uh, Habakkuk is, is, is telling these old stories, but he's also telling about this day that's going to come that God is actually going to do on a large scale what he did on a small scale in saving his people and vanquishing evil. And the funny thing is the reason why it sounds like the past, the present, and the future together is because it's all the same from God's perspective. One of the things that blows my mind about God is that he doesn't exist um, in the confines of time. History is like a movie to us that we watch each part one after the other consecutively. But God doesn't experience history one event after another like we do. For him, history is an epic mural from beginning to end, and he sees and knows and contains it all. What's coming is already for him. Now, it's the future for my man John Ray. And if that doesn't freak you out, but also strangely comfort you that that the future is present for God, then sit with that a bit bit longer, especially if you're new to thinking about God, that like what's happening and what's ahead for me and what stresses me out, what I can't control, God sees and knows it all. And that what God sees is reality. Reality is simply the way that God sees the world. And it's kind of like when you're sitting with someone and you've seen the movie and they haven't and they're like, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? And you're like, just, just take it one step at a time. But you, you aren't feeling the anxiety of when's that person going to jump out? That's God's perspective to us. He calls us to see reality. And a side note as a reminder for us is that we are so limited in our scope of understanding because we can't know the future. A lot of ways, knowing the past is like, lighting a piece of paper and dropping it down a well and watching it as it goes to see what it illuminates. And we don't even really know what's going on in the present. And when we think that people who don't think like us are deceived, that they just believe lies and they don't know what they're talking about, they don't know the facts, we should be careful. Because each of our understandings is so limited, we should Part of knowing God is to understand how limited we are in order to give grace to ourselves and to others that we don't know the whole story. And what's coming is what Habakkuk mentions in verse 16. He's saying that his heart pounded, his lips quivered at the sound, his legs trembled, yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. 
that one day there is going to be this final making right of all that is wrong. And Jesus has crushed and will finally discard the leader of wickedness, as he says in verse 13. Crush the head. Jesus destroyed and is destroying death, sickness, sadness, violence, oppression. And we look ahead to that when he comes, the coming one, comes to make all things new. And, you know, we don't know when, but a day is going to come. Jesus, the anointed one, the coming one, will come again. Could be 2,000 years, could be tonight. And everyone will notice. Every heart will pound like Habakkuk's when justice rolls down for good. The other night, I was walking my dog, and um, it was about 11 o'clock at night, I think. And I was actually on a phone call with a friend, and um, this lightning storm happened. It was really windy, and I was enjoying the wind. And then lightning went across the sky, not like a, a, a bolt, a piece. I don't know, a part of a lightning. But the whole sky was lightning. And it was 11 p.m., but it felt like it was 11 a.m. I saw everything. Everything was exposed. And it made me stop, and my mouth hung open. And as I was sending this voice message to my friend, I actually went back, and I could just listen to myself for like 90 seconds going, Because when, when there's lightning and you're outside and it's that epic, there's no place to run from the, from the lightning. There's no place to go. It exposes everything. And Jesus' coming will provide no place to hide from anyone or for anyone or for anything. Because we've all played, if we're honest with ourselves and we, we think about what the world could be and we begin to imagine, we all understand that we've played a role in the world not being that. And what, what Jesus has coming to remove in the end, to bring ultimate justice and peace and cleansing to the world, that we've participated in that. And that cleansing, that justice, that's what we all long for and we are also terrified of. But here's the question. If you experience that lightning and you're out and you're exposed, what if that lightning knew your name? And not only did it know you, it liked you. And what if that lightning said, you know what? I'm here to protect you and to make sure that nothing happens to you. What if the lightning loved you, the lightning that makes your mouth hang open? How would you experience the storm then? You'd smile, just like I smile when I'm at Disney World watching the fireworks display. You'd smile. Your mouth would hang open, but in a good way. And that's Jesus' invitation to you. To look to that which is so exposing and gives us the most anxiety and to actually feel safe. To know that that power, that mighty one, the one that merely controls those lightning storms with the, with the flick of a finger, loves you and is here to protect you. And if we can meditate on what God's done and take joy in what's coming, then we can experience the strength 
to live in the impossible. And this is, this is how Habakkuk closes the whole thing up. You know, we're, we're experiencing the impossible. When will it get better? What if someone I love gets sick or is sick or I get sick? What if I can't find work on the back end of this? Well, I lost my job, and what if my job just ceases to, to be? If you're despairing even a, even a little bit, then this word is for you. He says, though the fig, trees, the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior because the sovereign Lord is my strength. Basically what he's saying is when it all falls apart and circumstantially there is literally nothing to look forward to and I do not even feel that I have the things that I need to make it. You get to sing and dance in a strength that isn't yours. God gives himself to you as strength. He shows up. And if you come without a thing, then you come with all you need. He provides the ground for us to stand. Let's take a brief moment and talk about Metallica videos. Um, I, I love Metallica. Reload was not a high point album for Metallica in any way, shape, or form. I'm getting some head shaking from John Ray on this, and that's true. It was a low point for Metallica, fair enough. Um, and they had a video for one of the songs on Reload called The Memory Remains. Again, not a high point, but it got a lot of radio play. And um, <clears throat> they, have a, they have a great video for it. Not my favorite Metallica video. That's probably wherever my, I may roam or one. Again, not pertinent. Um, but in this video for The Memory Remains, Metallica, the band, they're on a platform and inside of a room that's spinning around and around and going upside down and upside down. And it's kind of like if you take a swing on a swing set and you flip it over the bar and it goes around and around, that's kind of what it seems like is happening. This band is in this stationary room and they're getting flipped all around upside down and everything. But the way that the uh, video was, was made is that it's an illusion, that the room itself is spinning around and the platform that the band is on is secure and stable and doesn't move, even though everything is spinning around, around them. And what Habakkuk is saying is that is true if you know God. That it feels like you are being torn up and spun around over and over again, but what's happening is the world is spinning and God gives us a place to stand that comes from Him and, in fact, is Him. I'm fascinated by, the, the, um, by Oxbow Lakes. Uh, you know, when there's a real windy river, well, often what happens over time is as the river gets a bend in it and goes like this, over time the river itself actually starts to cut through and to get to a straight line again. And what used to be a bend in the river becomes cut off from the river and becomes its own lake. And what God does and has done in Jesus is to cut his people off from the torrent of his justice that when he comes to make all things new and to do away with all that is unclean, he cuts us off and makes us still and calm and safe from being swept away. 
This is what this is what it means when Paul says in Colossians 3, you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God, that you are safe and still. And that is real now. That that is if you know Jesus or you put your faith in Jesus even today, getting real close to the mic with my hand or to the camera. Is if you put your faith in Jesus today, that becomes real for you now that you are safe from that which will sweep everything away. And that's where you live now. And I'll close with this. The other day we went to Boone, um, and we went swimming in the, in the uh, Watauga River, and we had a great time. And on the way home, this conversation got struck up in the van, my kids, around the question of, can I go to heaven without dying or Jesus coming back? I love that question. Um, because my daughter was saying, that's a place I would want to go. Can I check it out without dying? <laughs> and this beautiful conversation happened because the answer is yes. The, there's the earth and there's heaven, and they live together like this. Heaven is where God lives and earth is where we live. And heaven surrounds us wherever we are at all times. It's just where God is and God is everywhere. But what happens is we live like this is all there is. But as soon as we turn to him and acknowledge that he is present, he takes us to where he is immediately so that we are in his presence. And some of the ways that you can do that and go to heaven now is by singing a song to the Lord. He takes you to heaven. The act of praying, simply sitting and acknowledging, God, you are real. You are here. Look at what you've done. Look at what you're going to do. I believe it. Help my unbelief. He is taking you up with him and gathering you with him in heaven. And that act of singing and praying are the Christian person's acts of resistance to a world that is spinning out of control. Go to him. He is there. So to wrap all this up, when you see injustice and aggrieved, or when you are suffering yourself and everything feels hopeless, you can find love in a hopeless place that even when the world is falling apart, you get to choose to find love, trust, and joy in God who is mighty and has made promises to you. The best is never behind you. The best is always to come. And let's pray. And as we pray, I want to I give us this quote from Henry Nouwen to, to, to give us some space to pray. We will never know the wine we are becoming while we're being crushed like grapes. Lord, um, these words, uh, in some ways, easy to say. So hard to, to trust, Lord, when we don't know what's going to happen, that you don't change. Lord, give us the, the grace, the time to meditate on what you've done. Lord, to begin to take joy in what you're going to do to make everything right. 
that Jesus, you rose from the dead and you are giving life. And Lord, give us the strength to stand, to sing, to dance. We pray in your name. Amen.